0: Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm here with one, Mr. Keith. I should, have, I should have asked you this before. Duel? 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 It's duel? Duel. Pronunciation. Okay, there's two L's in there. Yeah. And one of them's unnecessary. It,
1: completely. Yeah, yeah. But that way people don't think we're in a fight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Keith Duel is here. Um, and uh, I'm excited because I don't really know anything about you. Um, I've met you through, just like everyone else, uh, mostly through Find a City Improv, and I've seen you around, and um, the, the one thing I've gathered is that you're just a real kind person. Oh, thank you. You seem like a very um, nice person, and not just a quote-unquote, oh, he's a nice guy. Like, you seem to have given your time to FCI, you helped them build... The, the new theater um, yeah. pretty much um, and so that's really cool and then uh, I got to see I have got to see your perform a few times uh, not enough um, and I still contend that you're part of a group that has one of the best improv names I don't know why I like the name so much The Dropouts, the drop-outs? Yeah. I don't know why okay. I like that name it just it just seems like a punk band or something totally yeah, yeah. How'd, you, how'd you guys come up with that name anyway uh,
1: originally we all met by doing the drop-ins back when FCI mm. did drop-ins hmm. Um, and the team actually formed through John Wright, who we were they were doing one of those cage matches back yeah. at the old theater. Yeah. And he was like, you guys should just form a team and yeah. go do the cage match and just have fun. Yeah. So we did. Nice. And then it stuck, and we were like, well, we need
0: a name. Dropouts. We met in the drop-ins, so we <laughs> called it the drop-outs. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it even more now. Yeah. Because yeah. y'all did drop-ins. That's cool. Okay, Keith. Um, this is going to be... Uh, real interview style since like I said I don't know anything about you sure so where are you from originally I was born and raised here in San Diego SD native yes sir nice nice um, and then so what do you I know you do graphic design stuff because you helped me a little bit with uh, the deconstruction logo mm-hmm. which thank you very much you're very welcome um, so is that your is that your main gig now is you doing uh, graphic design I'm trying
1: to transfer into that completely yeah. Um, it's a slow process. I was an operations manager for a big moving company. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Commercial moving was where I landed. Yeah. I kind of grew up in that industry. And I've always wanted to get out. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, it was a fallback thing. Yeah. And I fell back into it, knew how to make it work for me and yeah. did so. So I started going back to school for graphics nice. uh, a couple years ago and would prefer work in freelance rather than for a company. Yeah. Which poses its challenges but i'm pushing it forward it's coming along but it's not my primary staple yet but it's it's the goal it's the transition hopefully by next year it'll
0: start really taking shape okay yeah cool okay so you're from san diego all right let's go back in time Mm. um what year were you born if you don't mind me asking 1971 1971. okay not too not too not too long ago no no hey in the 70s yeah yeah, Dis- Grew up in
1: the 70s Disco, and the dude. 80s was my, uh, you know, awakening, so yeah. to speak, primarily
0: with music and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Man, man, we should sit down with the, you, me, and Dan talk about music. Right. Uh, okay. Because he's also, I think, kind of the same era and he has opinions about music. I have mine. <laughs> yeah. Good. good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, so um, you're, let's talk about your family. Do you have siblings, only child? What's going on there?
1: I have an interesting uh, dynamic, but as a unit, I have a brother. Okay. Um, I was adopted, and so was he. Okay. And so, through all my research and everything, I found that I have four other brothers. Oh, wow. That are all half-brothers. Yeah. Um, But I have one primary brother that I grew up with. Yeah. And then my mom and dad, and uh, I have two kids as well.
0: Okay. So, you and your brother both adopted. Your parents, um, so... What was their uh, reasoning for adopting? Could like one of them not have kids? Or they just always wanted to adopt? Or like, did you? Yeah, no, talk- it
1: was a. There was medical problems as to how you know the ability to reproduce. And yeah. so they went out and bought a couple.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay, yeah. so um, are you? Uh, who's older between uh, you and your and your adopted brother or your? Brother? Uh, it'd be my adopted my brother, my brother. So he's you're, older by two years. Yeah. yeah so and you're the younger one. Okay. Um, and and yet another th- like this has been a theme uh, with um, all these improvisers. I think almost everyone's the youngest person in their family, which interesting. is interesting, very interesting. Wow. Um, and I should Google it and figure out what what it is about that. But I'm not gonna. Uh, so how how was your? When did you find out that you're adopted? And like, I, and like was that a big deal? Like for you, is like when you found out, or was it just kind of a nonchalant type of thing?
1: It was kind of a. At first glance, a nonchalant kind of thing. It was kind of like, okay. um, We were told at an age to where I don't know that it had an emotional impact. Yeah. It was just like, oh, okay, whatever that means. Yeah. And then as we grew older, at least speaking for myself, it developed into more curiosity. Yeah. Um, And then identity and all this other stuff. And so I was the curious of, you know, between me and my brother, I was the curious one. I wanted to know more. Yeah. Like, okay, so that means I'm not from... Whatever everybody else's background is, I have a different background. Yeah, and so I did uh, diligently and exhaustively researched it and came oh. up with uh, that's how I know that I had you know four other brothers and okay wanted to know my heritage and all that. Other For
0: stuff. sure, yeah, uh, of course, yeah. So about like what age did that feeling of really wanting to know? like how old are you when that, those feelings started to, to set in where it's like, I really want to know like my biolog, like my, my biological background type of stuff. Um, probably about 15, 16 has been really took
1: shape, but yeah. I would not be allowed information for another few years till you're 18. Yeah. Um, and you know how kids like go through that angsty period where they don't like their parents. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "I wish I was adopted," or, or you know, this, yeah, you know, all these terrible things we say when we're kids. Yeah, well, I had that in my corner. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I was terrible." Yeah, um, but uh, but I started to become more curious. Just you know, I'd look in the mirror and I wanted to know who I looked like and yeah. who did I resemble because I didn't have that experience where I feel like most people that are not adopted may not think about it, but they right. have that experience of, oh, you look just like so-and-so. Well, yeah. of course I do. I'm kin or whatever, y- yeah. you know? So um, I started exploring it, researching it, getting information from the agency and all that other stuff. And slowly but surely, I started to develop that sense of identity that comes from relating to the people that made you. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, talk more about, what you were feeling. Um, so, of course, there's just the general curiosity about, and I get that, like, yeah, because, yeah, I want to know, you know, who who gave birth to me and who, like, created me. Um, but besides the curiosity, can you remember, what, like, the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions that you had as an angsty teen? You know, not, like, were you angry? Were you sad? Was there, like, a sense of longing? Like, what, where were, you, what were the things that you were feeling the strongest, um, kind of, like, not knowing where you came from and and, and being adopted? Um, Primarily, it was a sense of, and and it
1: was probably self-made, but my own lack of connection yeah, that I think is, I don't know the right words for this, but I think we grow up with this sense of connection to our families and stuff like that. And when you're told that this isn't really the people that made you blood-wise, and there's all kinds of opinion on that, but that's... For another day um you start feeling disconnected yeah or have a sense of well i know i belong here because these people love me i love them we are a family unit and that just is yeah. however somebody else made me and that was my biology yeah and so it was mostly just that it was primarily curiosity I didn't feel rejected. Yeah. Like some may suggest. Um, there's a book called The Primal Wound and it centers around adoption.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and in it, it talks about this deep emotional stuff that goes on when the child is separated from the mother. And I didn't really, I mean, how would you feel that anyway? Because it's such a compartmentalized emotion and place to come from. It's like, I, I'll never discover that. Yeah. Um, so it was curiosity. Yeah. Long answer. (laughs) Yeah. That's
0: okay. I get that. Um, so I'm going to get to the process of, of finding out about your, your, your biological family. But, uh, so growing up, um, other than, I mean, that facet of it, um, I mean like how was your family dynamic with your brother and your, and your parents? Um, I mean, of course we all have our angsty teen years you know uh but other than that did you did you get along with everybody or was there um you know uh any kind of like what's there i mean fighting or any like with your brothers or with your parents like how did you kind of relate to them as a small child and then as kind of a preteen and a teenager like how did the family kind of function and how how did that and what was your experience of it
1: i was the black sheep oh really (laughs) yeah yeah um i've always you know you've been the the person that you see like at the improv theater and all this other stuff i'm just kind of a happy-go-lucky person yeah despite anything that i've gone through it's just my nature yeah um my brother was not as he was built different yeah um so we were kind of at odds a lot Mm -hmm. um there was a lot of fighting there wasn't like this huge brotherly bond that um a lot of other siblings get so when i see people that are like hanging out with their brother and sisters mm-hmm.
0: and,
1: you know all that i'm like wow that is amazing because we didn't we were not able to establish that and i cannot explain exactly why yeah it just we just grew up together yeah we never really bonded and it might be stuff centered around adoption it might be jealousies of being the first adopted yeah and then having someone else you know brought home yeah you don't get the experience of mom going through the nine month period right and like adapting to it so i was just brought home one day and my brother was like what the (laughs) (laughs) great yeah so can't explain it but it wasn't we didn't bond really well
0: now uh how old was your brother when he got adopted and then how old were you and then how far apart were you adopted from each other um, I think each one of us was within months
1: of birth. Okay. So back then, what the process was, is the mom would give birth. Yeah. The child would be taken away immediately. Yeah. And then, you know, placed in whatever thing and then fostered. Yeah. Um, for a few months until they're able to go into a home. Yeah. Um, and I believe that was the experience for both myself and my brother. Yeah. And then I was
0: probably two years from the time he was brought in okay yeah okay wow alright so <clears throat> fighting with your brother a lot and two years is like I mean that makes it hard too cause uh, or at least f- from my experience um, I have three siblings and the uh, my sister who's two years older than I you know we're closest in age so we grew up together and we fought like all the time growing up right. it's just being that close um, in age and there's just butting heads oh yeah um yeah. Okay. And so uh, and then so you said you were the black sheep. I mean, like, were you kind of getting into trouble in school and out of school and stuff like that? that definitely happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but um, I've always been the artsy one. Yeah. You know, I was drawing in class when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, making shapes out of my numbers, my letters, turning them into animals and all that other stuff. And yeah. Just um, just always had that creative side to me. Yeah. I'm um, always goofing around, joking around sometimes to an extreme yeah um and then musically also picked up music and everybody else was kind of really like straight you got to get a good job you got to go to college you know very which all those things are accurate but i my mind was somewhere else I, i wanted to create make things and yeah you know put light out
0: right so to and so, I mean, were your parents the ones who were like, you got to be on the straight and narrow, get a job or were they like, did they encourage your creativity in any way or was it kind of a mixed bag? It was a mixed bag. When I was a kid, I was, um,
1: it's funny cause they forced me to take piano lessons when I was a little kid and mm-hmm. piano wasn't cool back then. Sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still did it and I'm glad that I had the experience. Um, but then when I wanted to pursue music as a career and like put some serious invest time into it, it was that's not practical. Blah 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 blah. Um, and so it's kind of a mixed bag. It's like, sure, it's okay to do that as a hobby, but if you really want to try and make something of it, maybe not not a good idea. And if you trace like the roots of like their parents came from the depression, so on and so forth. So what they were taught was you need to be more practical minded. Yeah. And so it makes sense. To, yeah. To want to you know rear your children in defense of you know what your own family went through so yeah i
0: kind of get it yeah there's always kind of a, a the the pendulum swings the other way and there's some overcompensation and stuff yeah of course and i think you know we probably all every generation yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so uh your your musical side were you like did you um learn an instrument after the piano and like you know? eventually yeah when i was uh like eighteen or nineteen,
1: I asked myself, "Why is it I, you know, can't learn an instrument other yeah. than that?" I yeah. didn't master the piano by no means, um, but I was really good at Jingle Bells. Nice, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I picked up the bass guitar, uh-huh. and back then I was into a lot of heavy metal and, like, you know, thrash metal, all that other stuff, yeah. and just started playing um, and became self-taught. I took a few lessons here and there, but for the most part my thinking was these people aren't really teaching me anything that i can't find in a book yeah or pick up by ear so i just went after it myself but i had a, a passion for it nice a real passion and i think that's what kept me motivated to get through the periods of time where it didn't sound very good yeah
0: for sure <laughs> cool uh all right so you're 15, you start getting very, very curious about um, where you came from. So you finally turn 18, you can get information mm-hmm. from uh, the state, I guess, or I don't even know. So, like, describe that, like, what's that process like? What do you do to to uh, kind of hunt down the, the people you're looking for? Uh, it started with the uh, Children's Home Society of
1: California, uh-huh. um, which is basically the agency of adoption. Yeah. And they will release non-identifying information. Okay. And so I requested that. And you can't get it till you're 18. So once I turned 18, I requested that information and they mailed it off. And um, as soon as I received it, it's this uh, generalized information about your heritage, which is still loosely put, um, and any information that the mother divulged about your family line, which was brief at best yeah you know i got a little information but um not enough to satisfy curiosity like it didn't basically said yes you were born <laughs> and you know your uh, birth mom was irish english and you know your birth father was french and so on yeah and so it was uh and it talked a little bit about the grandparents but mostly for health reasons yeah which not a lot of information yeah Okay, so then what'd you,
0: what'd you do after that?
1: Like, uh, over time, I started, you know, the birth of the internet. Yeah. And so I was, you know, in my 20s, around the time that that really started taking shape. Yeah. Um, and as that grew, you know, everything you could possibly imagine that could utilize the internet grew, and so did these, uh, what they call search angels. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I found these different groups that were adoption support groups and try what they call the triad which basically is the uh birth family the adoptive family and the adoptee okay um and they were working on an assembly bill to release not uh original birth certificates yeah so all our birth certificates are amended so i got involved in that it never passed but i met all these incredible people yeah um people that make you go wow I complained about my life yeah (laughs) you know like right you know people imported from other countries Mm. through this process of what we call adoption yeah and so I was like wow it's amazing Um, but through that I found some people that helped me um, make the discoveries I needed to make to get names and so on and so forth yeah Um, and I wound up with enough information to make contact with somebody which was a half brother yeah so I sent off a letter yeah. and waited. Yeah. And then one day I got an email from my birth mother. Um, it was a long email, too. It was like, and it was real uh, surreal, yeah. for lack of a better term, because here's like the fruits of on and off labor of, of this search. yeah. And um, eventually we met. We kind of started to forge a relationship, and then uh, it got weird. Which I would imagine probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's too many parallels that were uncanny about the whole thing. And so it was like, she backed away and another 15 years went by. Yeah. And then uh, Facebook came along. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've been in contact since and just kind of keep it at a light, like, you know, occasional hello. And yeah, there's, there's really no... You can't go back and change the dynamic of a relationship like that. It's just yeah, my experience. I know on Oprah it looks different, right? And other people have different experiences with this, but and it's not out of resentment or guilt or any of those other feelings
0: that might be surrounded about it. It's just it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's it's a reality. Yeah. So how old? Okay, so you're 18 and you you start, but there's just it's just too hard to do. It. You don't have enough information. Yeah. And so you have to wait until the birth of the internet. Um, so how old were you? You said you're in your 20s. How old were you exactly when, like, when you first kind of started to make some headway into the search? Uh, it was towards
1: the end of my 20s, and I think we met when I was about 30. Okay, so if like a full decade goes by before to oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it was a long, it was a drawn out process of yeah. uh, patience. Sure. But it's kind of like you can only go so far. You can only go so far. Yeah.
0: Okay. So first, I'm going to ask you about your. So you're the first person you find out about is your half brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mail him a letter, um, and then you get an email from your birth mother. Mm-hmm. Did you like hear back from your half brother? Did he? Did he also like get in contact with you through her? Through her? Because when? Because he. I guess he knew about me.
1: Yeah. Um. And. Uh, Basically, he just passed the information on to her, and then she explained, you know, that. So he was excited to get the information. Yeah, um, but that was kind of the
0: extent of, of that. We met a few times. Okay, cool. Um, so, but so he, uh, I'm sorry, I was assuming that he also didn't know uh, the his birth, birth mother. But was he like still with her? Like, like was he? Was he put up for adoption as well, or no, so he was no. still? So he was he was
1: her legitimate son. Okay, cool. Uh, through another um, man, mm-hmm. and uh, which who coincidentally had the same middle name as my first name, which is where that whole like wow this it's interesting. And yeah, then it got more interesting with all the different parallels. But um, so he was, you know, he grew up with his family. Yeah. Um, And I guess she told him, you know, I did give a child up for adoption. So you have a brother out there. Yeah. Um, And so I guess in a way I kind of closed that
0: gap by saying, hey, what's up? Yeah. Cool. So, okay. So then, um, and you said you had, you have other half brothers as well, Mm -hmm. right? So is that also the same family or from your, from your biological father? Biological
1: father, there's two and biological mother, there's two.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I'm gonna come back to your mother, but yeah. uh, <clears throat> so uh, what about your your biological father and those those guys? I got enough information to locate
1: the biological father. Uh-huh. Um, I reached out to him, and he was not too receptive. Okay, and that would be where we left that one. Okay, yeah. And um, as far as the biological brothers, maybe one day. Yeah, I mean curiosity kind of drives me a lot. Yeah, but um. As I've gotten older, I've kind of found a place for all this. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, it is what it is. If chance and the universe decide that it's something that needs to happen,
0: then it will. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so biological dad, not, I mean, he responded, but it was just like he. Like, did he respond? But basically, said like, I don't want anything. He answered the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. kind of called him out of nowhere with oh, really? warning. Yeah, that, you know, maybe I shouldn't. But yeah, I'm not. You know, <laughs> I go okay. through sometimes. I'm very curious if you're willing to divulge, I, like, I, how that conversation went. With your, with your I um,
1: started the conversation by saying I was doing genealogy research. Yeah, um, and uh, I had discovered these people. Um, my birth mother's side. I didn't mention adoption at all. Yeah. Um, and started going through the names. Yeah. And he was playing along for a minute. And then as soon as I said her name, he like started going a different direction with the conversation. And I was like, okay. Um, and it ended with, I, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Mm. Get off the phone. And I was like, this guy's full of shit. Excuse me. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and yeah. so now I'm kind of getting like, wait a minute, you know, you made, you know, I used to have a, a sense of entitlement about this, which I yeah. learned was probably maybe misdirected. Yeah. Um, and so I called him back and I was like, and I named his two sons, that would be my half brother. And I just said, do you know these names? And he goes, well, those are my sons. And I was like, yeah, you're my birth dad. <laughs> like I just, yeah. bam. Boom, oh, there it is. And he said, and I said, uh, my birth mom did say that there might be a chance that, you know, I shouldn't reach out, but I wanted to get that for myself. Yeah. And he goes, well, maybe it was because I didn't want to be found. Yeah. And I was like, like right. it, it sent me back. Yeah. Like I totally felt it. And I was like, okay. And I got off phone. And I said, that's the end of that one. Yeah. You know, that that is as far as that's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was intense at first. Um, and when something like that happens, I don't think like, I guess it's a person by person thing, but like how you process that information. Sure. Is, um, probably in pieces. Yeah. You know, because you get so excited and you don't, you know, you're afraid of rejection. You're like, how, why would anyone reject you? You know, you start getting that childlike viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and then it, it doesn't go as good as you want it to. And so you have to take a few steps back and let it affect you. Yeah. And so it did. And
0: that was the end of it and kind of moved past it, you know? Yeah wow okay now do you know anything about the circumstances um like was it an unplanned pregnancy were they really young um when when they had you um she was in her
1: 20s early 20s yeah um i believe she was 23 and he was probably about 10 years older than her okay and so i think um based on what i could put together with the information is it was a fling yeah um and and it ended in pregnancy yeah and then that was probably the best case scenario yeah based on all the other surrounding circumstances which yeah. i don't know all of them but right um and i don't remember if abortion was legal or not in the 70s early yeah. 70s i yeah. looked it up once and then i just didn't register with my head but i know it was around that time frame where roe versus way was going on and all that other stuff but mm-hmm. i just didn't I knew that I was born. Yeah. And so I didn't like want to go down that rabbit hole of, "Oh, I could have been this and because it wasn't." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so there was just uh Yeah, they weren't going to try and raise a family. It was a, uh, you know, yeah, unplanned pregnancy. They happen. Right. A lot. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um and so, you know, they did what or she did what she thought was the best that she could do for for me under that circumstance, which I think it's probably really hard for a mom to give up a child to carry it the full term. And then you don't even get to really hold it. Yeah. It's gotta be heavy. I can't really, I I can't imagine either. I mean, as a man, I, I can only speculate like that portion of it. Um, Yeah.
0: But it's gotta be a heavy, a heavy experience. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's got to be super heavy, and um, and I'm speaking to this with no experience with adoption. And, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I, I guess from my perspective, if any, if nothing at all, uh, at least there's a small amount of kudos to like recognizing, um, you know, maybe I'm I won't be the best, or this person, this child won't be in the best situation with me. Let me try to. it in a better situation
1: yeah and i think by going through an agency that is (coughs) reputable which the children's home society california was Mm -hmm. um you probably get some comfort yeah in knowing that you know i'm going to a good home
0: (laughs) yeah you're not just like dropping a baby off at the fire department yeah like where
1: it's just as random of a chance right it could go wrong um and I grew up in a stable home. My family stayed together. Mhm. Um I always I never wanted for anything really. It's not that we were super wealthy, but I and I, and I don't mean I got everything I wanted, yeah. <laughs> but um we didn't go without. Yeah. You know, I went to a, I went to San Diego Unified School District and went to elementary school and junior high and high school and Yeah. You know, so I was I was brought up probably in the way that she would have hoped. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Okay. So, you, your mom contacts you, and then you guys meet up, and kind of you finally have the, this relationship. Um, and then uh, you said it got weird. I need to know, I, or I don't need to know. I want to know. You don't have to tell me, but I, I'd like to know, like, what you mean by, or like, what happened. Like, uh, it was kind of like that thing I think I
1: was mentioning where it's like, well, where does this relationship land now that the door's been open? Yeah. you're. She's not going to be my mom. Yeah. And, and so I need to call her by your first name.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there was an incident where I went to her work one day to meet with her and yeah. she introduced me as her son. Yeah. And it totally caught me by surprise. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Right. You know, I didn't have like an initial reaction per se except that doesn't you know something doesn't fit here you are but you're not blah 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 and then i feel guilt towards my birth or my adoptive parents yeah like you know so all that was like there's all these different emotions mixed in and you're like i don't know yeah um all the while her family was going through their issues with it, because, you know, I show up out of nowhere. Right. Ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a long lost brother. Um, and come to find out, the whole like lineage of, you know, through history has been um, displacement of children in that bloodline. So hmm. back in the day, like someone would have a child too young and an aunt would raise it. Yeah. I say it, but raise the child. Right. Um, and that's not something, you know, that's part of history. We know that that happened a lot. Um, what happened a lot in this particular family to where it seemed like it became habitual. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like genetic memory is what kept causing it because she had a sister, um, that she hadn't met yet when I met her. And so she met her while her and I were meeting and then come to find out her husband finds out he was adopted. Hmm. And so all this stuff happened in a very, like, condensed period of time. Yeah. Um, And it was too much too soon for too many people. Yeah. All at once. And so everybody kind of just separated. Um, And then she kept me, like, completely, like, blocked off. Like, so once Facebook evolved and all that other stuff, I started looking her up and nothing. The half-brothers, nothing. And I didn't, I got it. I understood like this is a has more of an emotional impact on more people than just satisfying my curiosity yeah um but i would not have known that unless yeah i satisfied my curiosity yeah um but it had an impact on people um and eventually through (laughs) ancestry.com my son went and checked his dna to start getting his information yeah Uh, it linked him right up with her yeah um and then i waited and finally i did it and it linked me right up with her but i got other family members yeah and eventually some of them started contacting me because they had met her and she had explained who i was um because with those things it tells you like who you are to people yeah you know first cousin first aunt you know yeah likely mom or dad and um they started reaching out to me and we forged these little relationships that are just interesting at best Mm -hmm. not too much heavy emotion you kind of get a feel for how the family (laughs) like migrated because they're all in louisiana Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and since i have a lot of french uh genetically then makes sense yeah excuse me um and through that she finally reached out again Mm -hmm. and was like i'm sorry you probably hate me and i'm like i don't i don't yeah i don't don't hate first of all (laughs) and secondly like i get it this is like a heavy deal yeah you know so don't trip fool <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't try, um, moms.
1: yeah right come on girl uh <laughs> and so we've had some conversations we've had lunch and you know i've told her like this don't even worry about how this evolves we don't need to it doesn't you know if you don't want it to then it won't and if you do it'll evolve the way you know i'm busy yeah i'm not gonna just cut my life in half and do that let's just let it take shape like a relationship yeah (laughs) um and so that has been the course and it's been you know i have my knowledge or my curiosity satisfied yeah and i'm happy to have this person in my life as long as we are clear on what those boundaries are now we didn't have that before right and so that was where uh You know, it took 15 years to figure that out. Like, what are those boundaries? Mm -hmm. And I have mine. I know what mine are, and
0: I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting, (laughs) to say the least. What did your uh, adopted parents think about? um, Did they, you know, did they say anything when you were... Starting that process of trying to find your, your biological parents.
1: As a kid, they used to say they completely 100% support it and will do whatever they need to, to help me on that journey. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I heard the words, but felt a different response. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, and I treaded those waters lightly to where I don't share that information. Yeah. I share my, uh, heritage, any of the genetic stuff that I figure out, health issues, all that other stuff. Um, but i'm pretty good at reading like the emotion that other people emote mm-hmm. even when they speak the opposite sure. so i was like it would do nobody any good yeah to bring it up yeah and so i keep that one kind of packaged away for myself yeah you know and i don't i don't really f- i feel like that's the best decision yeah. for that and there's no reason why they should have dinner and <laughs> yeah like it just doesn't make sense to me and so
0: yeah yeah i get that uh so i imagine now that y- you're sort of on the other side of of not knowing um i mean i imagine well let me ask you like if you could go back and would you do ever? like would you do it all the same would you would you do the same thing that you did the research and the looking yeah, yeah, for and finding, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah just because that um that curiosity and that lack of knowledge was stronger than most things that I grew up, you know, sensing and feeling and stuff. They were so prevalent that it just, uh, came up too much. Yep. You know, and I feel like if like we're driven in a certain direction that comes up that often, then you should probably, you know, follow it for whatever reason. Yeah. Unless it leads you off of a cliff.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I dig that. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's talk about you in your 20s. Other than this journey um, that we just went on, uh, what else was going on in your life in your, in your 20s? Take me through Keith Duhl's ch- year of, of 20s. The 20s were interesting.
1: Um, work-wise, I was in the moving industry, but I was on the road most of the time. Yeah. Um, I wasn't driving semis, but I was always in them. Mm-hmm. And so we were going 11 Western states just doing moving jobs, yeah. up and down the coast and throughout that half of the U.S. Um, and my boss was this, uh, this guy named Ralph, and it was me, Ralph, and Creed. We were this unit of workers, and we were more friends than anything. Mm-hmm. And so it was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my early twenties and you know late teens, I didn't have too many cares in the world, and so I was able to you know just get up and go somewhere, mm-hmm. make a few bucks, experience another state, another city, and just, we, we had a ball. Yeah. Um, and then a uh, few, few years later, I have a son on the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was also 23 and was pursuing music and trying to get out of the moving industry yeah. again. I spent a lot of in and out of that industry. Yeah. Um, and I started uh, putting a lot of effort into music yeah. at that point in my 20s, um, which became an obsession of sorts. It, it's almost like the uh, initial experience of joining improv, yeah, where all of a sudden you want to go to all the workshops. Yeah. You want to go to all the this is and the that's and be on 150 teams and all that other stuff. And music was very much the same for me. I Once I got good, I got more passionate about it yeah and so uh joined a band or helped start one and we uh stayed together for about seven or eight years yeah put out a couple cds you know what we like to call touring was really just playing in vegas (laughs) here or arizona over here but it wasn't like touring but we used to like to say that yeah (laughs) we're on tour we're on tour yeah sounds cool you know we're playing in el cajon yeah (laughs) (laughs) What um, So uh, it was a lot of that and uh, a lot of kind of like the mom and I were not really, we were always on the outs. We didn't have a very stable relationship. Um, yeah. And uh, so there was a lot of navigating that stuff. Yep. We had another child seven years later. So we were doing that for a while of like just trying to figure it out and justify a relationship based on a child, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, is probably a common thought process, but not always the best route. Sure. Um, But we went for it. Um, And and I have to say that today we have this interesting relationship where we get along great. We can joke around with one another. Um, We'll take pictures together with the kids so that they have that. Even though we didn't really get to have a stable relationship for them, Mm -hmm. we at least give them that experience of, you know, mom and dad don't hate each other. Yeah. Which isn't a bad deal because there was a time when we were like, you You know and like all that relationship stuff um when you're forced to walk through it because you have children it's interesting how you can get past some of that stuff Mm -hmm. you know those feelings of resentment and yeah all that stuff but anyway that um that was going on and then i just decided to go back to college and pursue something else because it became too much to chase music
0: help with my son and go to school okay that was a lot. Yikes! I imagine. <laughs> so, I'm, I, we're going to deconstruct, uh, as in the name of the podcast, <laughs> all of that. So, uh, uh, well, I'll start light. What, what was the? Uh, what was your band called?
1: Uh, we were called Esther Brooks Hurt, which most people were like, "What? <laughs>
0: Esther Brooks Hurt."
1: Uh, Esther, see, <laughs> Estherbrook. So, there's somebody's name is Estherbrook. Estherbrook. Mister Estherbrook. Uh, it came from a Clive Barker book. Okay. And there was a phrase in there that said it would all but solve Esther Brooks' hurt. So the book is called I Magica. Um, and uh, for some reason, we liked it. Yeah. We thought, yeah, that's cool. Nobody could say it. When people would put it on the marquee, it was always wrong. Uh, we went and played Tio Leos in Point Loma once, and it said, es- "Esta." <laughs> We're pronouncing it. We just yeah. made fun of it. We're like, como esta <laughs> Brooks' eh hurt. <laughs> Just because of the way it was written, out. yeah. So the, we say the name killed us, but um, we we did good. We had fun, yeah. Loved yeah. The name
0: of it. Have you seen the Wonders? The movie, The Wonders. No. Oh God, it's so good. But it's about a, a band in the fifties and or 60s. I don't know. But they they first they named their band the Wonders, but they spell it O and E like the number one oh, okay. and so they're always like the Oneeders, <laughs> you know, It's like. Actually, it made me think of you with it your. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you gotta have the uh, easy band name. Totally, yeah. we we learned that later, but by then it was like, ah, screw it, we're done. And you played, uh, you played the bass in it. Yeah, and then I imagine it was some like some kind of metal or hard rock type of. Yeah, the way we used to describe it, it was a
1: cross between Faith No More and Black Sabbath. Okay. In that vein, we didn't go totally nuts death metal, but we we kept it pretty hard and. Um, interesting nice to say the least can you find you know, that music anywhere online um no but i have it all on my computer it's we there used to be a thing called mp3.com say what <laughs> it was the first um it was around when napster started and all these other things so yeah mp3.com was where it was the first it was a breakthrough yeah um mp3s were just being made yeah people were like whoa this is great and so yeah. all bands flooded to mp3.com yeah And so you got your own page and your own little thing. Yeah. um, And we kept everything stored on there once we learned how to upload and all these other, like, it got crazy. Um, It was the destruction of the record label. Yep. Because now anybody can make a CD on this. They would send you back CDs. Yeah. If you, you know, you pay for it, obviously. Yeah. um, But that's where it started. And then... That's kind of where it ended too. We yeah. like pulled out before MP3.com turned into something else. I don't remember what somebody yeah. bought yeah. them. Okay. Um, and now today it's like, you know, that's the revolution. Yeah,
0: SoundCloud and YouTube. oh yeah, you should you should upload it. Oh, to, actually, um, it's on SoundCloud. Yeah, it's on SoundCloud. Yeah, I totally forgot. I Come put on. it all up there. <laughs> there you go. All right, we're gonna have to listen to that. I'm listening to that later. Okay. And all of our tens of thousands of listeners are gonna flood SoundCloud and find. How do you spell? How do you spell the band name? uh e-s-t-a-b-r-o-o-k
1: apostrophe s h-u-r-t so it, it is his hurt. hurt okay his he hurt in
0: possession clive barker is that the guy who wrote the jack reacher movie uh, uh, no
1: he wrote all of the hellraiser series okay also um like a phenomenal artist comic book maker um he made the movie Candyman. another movie called nightbreed okay so he's horror esque.
0: Okay. And a very dark. God, Candyman scared the crap out of me when I was yeah. a kid. Wow. Okay. So that that's the guy. Yep, okay. That's him. <laughs> cool. All right. So you're in this band. Um and then at twenty-three, you're expecting a son. I need to so how did that come about? How did was was this, uh, it, it sounds like it wasn't a planned pregnancy, or was not it? Not at all. Okay, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so, um, was this somebody that you were dating? Was it somebody, was it like a, just kind of a, oops, um, was she a groupie no, to Estab- no. Brooks? Hurt? No, we were a too much,
1: too soon relationship. Yeah. You know, where you uh, things are just too intense, too quick. Yeah. Um, so, rather than letting something... You know what i imagine the natural process is it slowly evolves into something that's malleable where when it's too intense too soon it's like crazy um and so we got pregnant yeah (laughs) you know while all that was going on and then uh that created a bunch of different feelings that were in opposition with (laughs) all that intensity so yeah it it got dramatic it got weird it got um tough and we actually split during
0: that time he split during the winter while she was pregnant. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna de- I gotta deconstruct everything because I'm very curious. Um So first of all, how would you meet this this person?
1: Uh, it was through a mutual friend. Okay. Um And so we were at somebody's house.
0: Yeah. Um, for
1: like a group get together or whatever we did back yeah. then. Yeah. Now and, was uh, the attraction like just like that, or it did was pretty you? Pretty quick. Yeah. It was pretty quick, and it's it just like I don't even really remember some of the process. It was, like all of a sudden we're together. Yeah. And you know. Just I'm going head over heels and I'm assuming the same is happening, but she's actually the one that ended it yeah, um, fairly abruptly and was like, I, I think
0: we need to stop. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then that so, so she, she gets pregnant and then um, because I'm very curious about just uh, fatherhood in general. Um, I don't have any kids, but I'm sort of approaching that possible, that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, granted, I'm 34. You were 23. Um, You're in a much better place. Yeah. Uh, what was going through your head, or what went through? What do you remember feeling and thinking when you found out that she was pregnant? Um,
1: it was it was a difficult time because I'm also 23 and like I don't even know what direction I'm going in. Yeah. Um, and it was also like around the exact same time that she said, basically she doesn't want to continue the relationship. And Mm -hmm. so the feelings I felt were very like all over the place. Yeah. Um, And then my perception of things also were, were very like split. Like, well, what do we, what do you do with this? Like, what is this? Like, you don't want to be with me and you have my baby now. And like, how do we even navigate this? And I also like, I came with my own baggage from the past already and stuff like that, and so as everyone does. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah. sure. Um, and so it was very, very difficult to navigate it um, yeah. and and figure out how this was going to take shape. So I never actually had the experience of. Or actually, I should say it differently. My kids never had the experience of growing up with both parents at any point Yeah, of being together, even like this off and on stuff that her and I did brought it to, you know, our daughter being born seven, eight years later, and um, same thing happened again. Like, eh, we probably shouldn't move forward. And that was when all that um, back and forth stuff actually ended. Yeah. Was at that point we did court. Yeah, you know, we dragged each other through court for this and that, as far as, uh, custody. Yeah. Um, and once all of that ended and, uh, the dust settled and all this other stuff is when we started to actually be able to do things a little differently. Yeah. Um, me carrying a lot of my baggage still with me. Like I was no saint growing up or anything like that as yeah. much as I was a nice guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't mind saying because it's part of my life that I was, you know, I grew up basically being an addict from a really young age. And so I had that to contend with. And yeah. It got in the way of a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Since we're deconstructing. Yeah. Well, you keep jumping ahead and like, I want to just take it step by step. I know, I and know. then now we have this other piece where you're, you know, you struggle with addiction. Um, okay. So, well, let's just, let's focus on that for a second. Um, about what age did you start? And like, what was your what was your addiction? Or like, was it anything and everything? Did you have a specific? No,
1: I had a specific go to when I was. Um, so I was about thirteen or fourteen when I was like really uh, running with it. Yeah. Um, and I started off. We had a bunch of speed in our neighborhood. Yeah. And so that. um, The first time I did it, it made me feel like I was a human being if mm. that sells you much it was really weird experience to where i like i just felt comfortable for the first time yeah so i grew up with a lot of discomfort um and and it's i have to segue real quick you're you know we're doing this here and you don't really know me and i'm divulging like a bunch of stuff um but it's hard to like talk about my life without talking about my life
0: you yeah know what i mean yeah it's of course like, this is
1: the stuff that happened yeah and it's what made me who I am today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I got involved in drugs at a really young age. And so it kind of uh, made navigating life at first doable. Mm-hmm. And then later it basically turned on me and made it almost
0: impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a v- uh, pretty young age to, to get involved. Um, and then that's very interesting when you say that it made you feel like a human being. Um uh was it now i i'm not too familiar with the drug speed um i mean i imagine it's, it's an upper yeah. right um so what do you think about the drug kind of made you feel that way um i think because i also did a lot of research i mean i still
1: like was a pretty smart person um But it basically released a lot of dopamine yeah as well as serotonin yeah and so it created that flood of sure euphoria but also you know if you grow up lacking those things if you have chemistry problems with your brain then as soon as you find something that gives it that push then you're like oh this is what it feels like to be human
0: yeah so were you depressed then do you think did you think you suffered from depression Uh, yeah i think i grew
1: up with uh add problems you know everybody was diagnosed with that but it was so hard back then to like treat or say anything about it It was just you know sometimes you were called a bad kid yeah you know or you know i was able to get by enough in school to not have that be an alarm yeah but um yeah i grew up with some depression and yeah you know different issues like that
0: yeah I imagine, yeah. So, if you, I mean, if you do, then imagine that this is the first kind of medication that you get that makes you feel something that's different from that. So, I can imagine yeah. what that's like, um, having depression myself. <clears throat> um, okay. So, you start messing with speed, 13, 14. Um, I imagine it continues on through your teen years. Uh, does it lead to other drug use, or is uh, it?
1: It leads to experimentation. Yeah. But nothing really... Um, had the same effect as far as like other things just made me stupid yeah you know for lack of a better term or laugh too much or sure um you know and then with it you you experience the lifestyle of other people that do the same stuff and so i didn't really i liked the relief yeah i didn't like the lifestyle yeah um and so by the time i was 16 i was trying to get clean yeah and and get off it and um struggled with it for a number of years and later um was kind of able to just disconnect from the whole deal to where like um yeah i was able to put it behind me yeah and kind of stay out of harm's way with it at what age did you kick it uh it it took a while yeah it took a while it wasn't until like i was in my 40s that i was able to completely now mind you i wasn't a daily user yeah it was like i would get into these weird places where i would uh go into this interesting mindset where basically i would relapse yeah um and my body chemistry can't take it anymore yeah so i don't last more than like three or four days and then it's like oh my god i'm you know total mess, and like yeah i gotta not do this um but that would continue uh, there was a pattern going on within me and so yeah um I was learning how to deal with some other stuff that I didn't know had happened until later in life. And so it all kind of played a convoluted part.
0: Okay. <laughs> I feel like you just opened another door. <laughs> I, and I've,
1: I'll go as deep as you want to, within reason. I don't know. Like none of this has, I say none of this has anything to do with improv. Yeah. But that's how I like comedy was my survival tool growing up. Yeah. So through anything that I experienced, like, I found my way out through humor. Yeah. More than any other more than any substance, more than any relationship or anything like that. It was humor that like delivered me, so yeah. to speak. And that's how I landed in improv.
0: Yeah. Okay, this is so much, and no, this is this is all great. And I, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for sharing all this with me, Um, and not just with me, with everybody who's going to listen to this. Um, Tens of thousands of people. Tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. Who knows? Right. Um, but I really appreciate you being honest, and and uh, this is, I mean, yeah. And this podcast isn't about improv; it's just about everyone's life story. And Mm -hmm. this is, yeah, this is what your life story is. So thank you so far for, for sharing. So far. Well, (laughs) no, so far for sharing. I I hope you continue to share. Um, all right, well, let's go back then to, um, um, your girlfriend gets pregnant. Um, and she breaks up with you before she has the, your son or, okay. And then, um, and then he's born. And then once he's born, what happens then with, with you and her, and then also with you just having a, child now like what's what's that like um I mean in that small moment what's that like just when he's a baby and when you first
1: I was disconnected from it for a couple of years after before he, while he was uh at that time basically yeah. so because of my own stuff I stepped back from it mm-hmm. um and really didn't become actively involved in his life till he was 4 okay um I met him a few times we hung out and stuff like that yeah. um but I was incapable at the time. Yeah. And so I took a step back. Yeah. And then when I stepped back in, it was kind of full bore. We did some catching up um, and then started to establish this great relationship that we still have. Yeah. Um, it's, I feel like I still carry guilt, you know, for, for those decisions and stuff like that. But it's what happened. Yeah. You know, it's the way that it went. Yeah. And so... She, uh, went back to her old boyfriend Mm -hmm. at that time too. Yeah. And I, and I'm not going to say that to justify my own behavior. It's just, that was how the thing went. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting thing. Uh, and when I stepped back in, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty quick process as far as all the bonding and like reconnecting and all that and then mom and i started reconnecting again and that's how that whole process unfolded as far as uh you know getting back together and redoing it all and
0: yeah so on and so forth okay so there's a few years there of just kind of disconnection and that's just how it that's how it played out then you get back together um you start reconnecting with your son um So what are those years like when you're really kind of like bonding with your son for the first time and engaging really in fatherhood and then, you know, also reconnecting with this person who, I mean, obviously there's some feelings there, some passionate stuff. And so what's that like? Um,
1: I was inspired to grow up as best as I could with what I had to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It was just interesting. Like, I didn't know the first thing about being a parent or fatherhood or any of that other stuff. And um, I wanted to do it different than the way I was raised. I wanted to be more emotional, um, have more feeling, and which is the same way of saying emotional. <laughs> um, but wanted to have more bond, more uh, interaction that was more relatable to him rather than to me. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, it started with just simple games, um, connecting over blocks, you know, laying down on the floor with those red, blue, yellow and green blocks and building these amazing structures. And it just kind of evolved from there. Um, And that was kind of how that transpired. And then, you know, he's in school, so it's showing up for these events and doing all these things that were just counter to what I had been experienced so far. Yeah. So it was a it was an interesting deal, but it was the bond really that was uh, we were able to build upon that and yeah. and put that in. And mom and I would fight off and on throughout all this, and we'd go through our turmoil and so on and so forth. But um, somehow we managed to bring them up and then have another one.
0: Yeah. So then you have your daughter later on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, was this one also was it planned? Unplanned. It was unplanned. Yeah.
1: It was. Uh, it was unplanned. Her and I had been dating again, on and off. Yeah. Um, she got pregnant and pretty much ended it abruptly at that point, and was like, "I think we just need to co-parent. There's no. Yeah. This isn't going to work." And and at this point, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to repeat the same behavior. I'm in it to win it, and so we went to court uh almost immediately because I wanted to make sure that I could have um at first visitation yeah every day yeah um because when it's a newborn there's a lot of um well it's a lot of work and so there's bonding and helping and all that other stuff and we were able to establish that right off the bat and then over time we just uh generated different custody rules and different timelines and stuff like that and then when lola was older it became more about what she's got going on in life so it yeah. didn't like make her do this that or the other yeah it was more kind of curtailing it to her lifestyle and you know school and school activities and all these other things as she grew into it now she's uh well this is her last year of high school wow I jumped ahead again. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: uh, I, I got to deconstruct everything between now and then. Uh, so, was what was that like with with um, their mom and you? Like, once they did once y'all decided, um, uh, okay, we're gonna be we're we're not, we're not gonna be together. Once you decided, uh, you know, this no more relationship, but we're just gonna be co-parenting. You went to court. Um, was that? um, I guess what's the word I'm looking for. I mean, was that a positive experience? Like were you guys sort of learning to get along as just co-parents or was there still kind of a struggle? Like, no,
1: there was still a struggle. Um, there was still struggles with like beliefs about how like Dakota should be in school, like what kind of school setting, so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, So it it took a while before we were able to iron things out completely to where it was like, whatever, you know, it's not worth the fight anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you know, everybody plays 50%, right? Mm -hmm. Whether we like it or not. And so I brought my 50% with me, Mm -hmm. uh, which didn't make things easy. And then she had her input as well. Um, And she eventually married, like when my daughter was really young, And at first I didn't like that. Like it wasn't so much that I had a jealousy experience of this other guy is with my, you know, ex-old lady or whatever, however people say it. But it was, wait a minute. (laughs) Now this guy's going to raise my kid and I'm here. Yeah. And so it was a very like internal struggle. And it was like, it was a feeling of powerlessness, Mm -hmm. like almost like no other I'd ever felt. It was like, I don't, you know, I wasn't happy about it. Yeah. Um, but when you have no control over something what do you do you either stay angry or you find a way to you know come to terms with how you feel and get past it in a positive way and that was how i was able to kind of eventually just like this is what it is you yeah know? i don't get to make that decision and in the long run it was probably the best thing that could have happened because lola grew up under different circumstances um, whereas dakota grew up with me and maggie trying to you know yeah figure things out and then i had my issues that i was bringing in and stuff like that whereas you know she did a great thing by giving lola a lot more consistency yeah um and as i got older i learned that you can't really argue with stuff that has a positive outcome yeah you know lola's like a one of the she's a great kid and so is my son um, both of them are like amazing. It's just like, okay, then it worked out. Yeah, you know, because that's what it's for anyway. It's not about me. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, so it's that's interesting. I've had a, like an interesting set of circumstances
1: throughout time.
0: And y- yeah, for sure. Uh, well, that's well, that's cool. So that's um, yeah. I mean, that's I'm glad that that happened that way. Where you know, because I, c- I can I can. I I don't know. I can imagine. I can't really, I've never gone through it, but yeah, I imagine the powerlessness that you feel when there's another person who's like, you know, but then now looking back on it, you know, it's turned out to be a positive thing. And I think so. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really cool that I guess it worked out that way.
1: And I was still struggling with all my demons and stuff like that. And so it was, you know, those are, uh, you know, it's kind of like a best case scenario. Mm-hmm. all things considered at the time there's no way i can see it like that yeah you know i was blinded by just you know pride and ego and all that other stuff yeah um but retrospect yeah you know cool
0: okay so then let's jump to uh your 30s um uh, you have two kids, uh, you're co-parenting. What were you, take me on the the journey of your thirties and we can talk about this thing that you alluded to earlier, which we didn't, <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's, um, let's unpack it uh, as much as you want to. Um, so yeah, let's, what was your, what were your thirties like? And it's a big question, but you yeah,
1: thirties were, I had made a, a, a career change. So there was a time, a lot of my family lived in Washington state and, um, I would visit, one of my cousins took me to Special Olympics, mm-hmm. um, a big event that was out there that she was participating in and helping with, and there was something about it that just grabbed a hold of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I found like this passion of working with people that had disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't put it to work right away, but eventually it started coming back up, like that thing with the curiosity on the birth mom. Um, to where I stepped into a volunteer position and eventually turned it into a career for a few years. So, mm-hmm. um, I became a behavioral therapist working with kids with autism. Hmm. And because of my life story being the way it was, I found a way to really relate with these kids because there was a, uh, you know, there's a lot of receptive and expressive issues and, you know, I never wanted people to tell me how to be. And I put that to use with these kids Where are, You know, we don't need to teach them how to be more like us. We need to teach them how to be more like them Mm -hmm. and how to express who they are because we're not going to make them quote unquote normal. Yeah. Uh, And I had just like a a fire for it. Um, And I fell into some really cool agencies that were very holistic about their approach towards this, where they use play therapy and like a thing called floor time, which is you actually follow the kids' lead and and build on that and that builds their skills and you know so on and so forth um and that was what a lot of my 30s was spent doing and it was really burnout you know after a number of years and it wasn't really paying the bills very well Mm -hmm. and eventually i finally pulled out of it all together and went back to the moving industry Mm. (laughs) which i've you know it's always been there i've always known how to make it work and so yeah i stepped back into that role Um, and I satisfied that curiosity of mine and that need to, you know, go in and do something. Yeah. Okay. It was a great, great experience. I met like amazing people. Yeah. Just like people you normally wouldn't meet.
0: Yeah. So it was nice. Nice. Okay. So then, um, and then, uh, what was your, uh, like, as far as your kids going through, I mean, I guess they're going through uh, 10 or uh, maybe not yet teenagers, or maybe they are teenagers. I guess they are teenagers. Are they teenagers? Uh, how old are they in your thirties and, and, and what's their life like? And, and how is that? How your, how is your thirties as a, as a parent?
1: Well, Lola was born probably right before I turned 30, I believe. Um, and so Dakota was, well, no, wait, hoda was born in 94 um lola was born in 2002 she was born shortly after 9 11 Mm. Uh, it was interesting yeah (laughs) we're still you know we're still working out that dynamic yeah um i'm trying to figure out so what do i do yeah you know with all this you know what what where should I be mm-hmm. within all this? And I actually went to LA for a while. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm commuting back and forth and working in LA. Um, and eventually that just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to San Diego and that's when I made that transition out of the working with, you know, kids with autism industry. Cause it was just, I played it out enough mm-hmm. and then coming back to San Diego, we have different wages here mm-hmm. than LA Mm-hmm. um different cost of living believe it or not or at least then and uh we were still dealing with the that struggle and that dynamic for a little while longer mm-hmm. with the kids and where does it all land and so on and so forth yeah but it was getting more consistent um my son was getting more wrapped up in school and his stuff and his friends and you know there was uh a lot of that going on and you know, constant evolution.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then, well, before we move on to your 40s, was there anything, I mean, was there anything that you learned about life or about yourself during your 30s? If you could, you know, if, if your 30s was a chapter in a textbook, you know, what's like the summary at the end of the, the chapter? What's like the the bullet points? Or, or was there anything that you... I remember maybe you didn't learn anything. Maybe you just you just kind of were living life day by day, or was there no, any, any kind of conclusion that you reached? Constantly learning, especially with so many different things that I've, like, stepped into.
1: Um, honestly, I think it was fight harder. Yeah. Um, for whatever it is you're going after, for whatever, um, just in general. Um, I also grew up with this, sense of like you have to surrender to win and all these other things but i found that each of those theories has their own separate place yeah um but if to make progress in life personally i believe you you sometimes it is a struggle and it is a fight and even when you're winning fight harder yeah. you know push more and and go after more within the realm of what you're trying to do that's what i got out of my 30s okay because nice. i didn't always do that yeah you know i didn't always apply that and then i had to ask myself why did i get what i got yeah and it was you know that was always the common thread was yeah. you, you could have put more effort
0: yeah so okay all right let's jump to your 40s which is your current decade right your, yes, it is. yeah yeah so <laughs> not over yet but, no we still got a year and some change yeah, left in yeah it? so um what was life like in your early 40s are you so you're you're still doing um, at the beginning of your 40s you're still doing working with the moving you're back with the yeah. moving back company. into that
1: um, and now I'm in management
0: yeah I' was trying
1: to figure out like what was I doing yeah. um, management and also starting to get more of a feel for commercial moving which is um, businesses offices warehouses and got into moving hotels, casinos and prisons. Hmm. And so did two prison jobs um, in a slew of hotels across the country and was project manager on a lot of this stuff. And so I was getting this uh, really loving the travel and being able to come and go as I wanted, like fly back, go there, fly back, go there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was like all that work in the moving industry had somehow put me at this level where I was operations manager and like was carrying titles and had salaries and all these other things so it was mm-hmm. like the fruit of my labor and the most valuable thing i learned from that was be careful what you do over and over again because you'll get really good at it mm-hmm. you may not want to be what you want yeah you'll get good at it and then you'll become reliant on it yeah so but i liked it for a while you know i enjoyed it and i was traveling all over and you know they had cheese for a while on certain projects and getting them done doing them right yeah um and then i tried to start my own company with a partner doing that and it went well for about a year but then both of us were like this is too much mm-hmm. we didn't have the capital to really accommodate what we were up against yeah so we let that dissolve and um i went and got another job with another commercial moving company and then for whatever reason, I was like, I reached that point where I'm like, I don't want to do this <laughs> done. I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I stepped back in the school again yeah. and started, uh, working towards graphics. Cause I've always kind of done it on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but felt like if I had certification, it would really kind of, uh, it's better than yeah, I've dabbled in it. <laughs> right. You know, it's helpful getting a job or getting clientele and so on and so forth. So that was when that journey started. Where Where'd you go to school for that? I went through the San Diego Continuing Education Center. Okay. So I think everyone should know that the state of California will put you through school for free. If you are going after particular trades and they're all more than minimum wage jobs. Yeah. So they're trying to get people working. Making you know 25, 30, 35 bucks an hour at least. Yeah. Um, in a field that's you know you can feel good about. Yeah. Um, and so, if you are a California state resident, mm-hmm. you can go to any of these schools that offer these programs, and you can find out about them through the community college district. And they'll give you the information. These are the programs we offer: six to nine months, some are longer. And you walk out with some sense of certification in – they'll even help place you if it is a placeable job like that Interesting. is different because there was a lot of us and yeah, um, they taught us enough to go out and learn a little bit more.
0: Yeah. You know? So, um, well, I'm curious about that where, so you would look it up on the just San Diego continuing education. Yeah. If
1: you go through the continuing education center, there's a bunch of sites in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually do. Like, I sat on the ASB for a while with that school. What is that? Uh, it's, it's the associate student body. Hmm. And um, sat in with meetings with, like, the president of the whole school system and stuff like that. Yeah. they want the information out there. Yeah. So that people know that they can come do this. Yeah. Um, and they're, they gear it towards certain, you know, they definitely market it in certain directions um but anybody can apply anybody can go there um they do not discriminate about um cultural background Mm -hmm. um citizenship all these other things don't put you through school as long as you can prove residency you can get an education and i thought wow you know that's pretty amazing that they're doing that
0: yeah that's really cool awesome okay i'll check that out yeah um Okay, so you start doing that. So how do you how do you find yourself doing improv and stand up comedy? Um, so growing up
1: as a kid, um, like I said, I found solace through comedy and like survival. Um, I used to spend hours on end watching the greats, you know, Robin Williams, uh, Ellen DeGeneres when she had when she did stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, bobcat goldflake you know richard Pryor, all these guys eddie murphy and i was just enthralled by it mm-hmm. um but for some reason had it locked away like that's not a reality for me mm-hmm. um and over time you know you have people like oh you're so funny you should be a comedian blah mm-hmm. blah mm-hmm. um and i always knew like i had a gift with comedy i'd learned how to be funny and it got me out of so many you know squabbles um and I started seeing uh, posts from other friends for improv. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the difference between improv and stand-up. Right? Mm-hmm. Even though I'd seen Whose Line Is It Anyway and mm-hmm. other shows, I didn't, it didn't connect for me what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd watch it, and I'd like, mm, maybe later. And then one day I just pulled the trigger and signed up for the free introductory class mm-hmm. um, and couldn't find parking because it was at the old theater. <laughs> And now I'm late, and I didn't want to be that guy that walked in late, so I left. Um, and then I finally just like, I know I want to do this. yeah. And so I paid for level one, and um, it was amazing. Yeah, It was amazing. I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. Um, and stepped into that, and haven't really looked back from it. I knew that it was, I wanted to do standup. Yeah. Like I had made that decision that it was time for me to step into that. And I figured this was the best way to get there. Um, And then when I learned what improv was and how much I loved it, I was like, well, I'm not getting rid of this. Yeah. I'm keeping this. And, you know, the ultimate goal is to learn how to incorporate the two.
0: Yeah. And make it, you know, kind of like my own act, so to speak. Sure. So, what was it about uh, improv? Um, We all love it. You know, we can all talk about it for a long time, but for you, for Keith Duell at that time, what was it that really resonated with you? Like, why'd you, why'd you love it so much?
1: It felt like I had a natural inclination for it. I didn't know the rules yet. Mm-hmm. even though There are no rules. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would, people would do like quote movies that I hadn't seen mm-hmm. and then I would play with them on it. Like I would come up with some riff about it mm-hmm. and they'd be like, that doesn't go with the movie. <laughs> and I feel like, oh, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah. And then I step into improv and somebody says some offhanded thing and I can riff back and we're going, now we have this thing going back and forth. And I always wanted that. Yeah. You know, when I goof around with people, it was like, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of movies. Like, yeah. I like making stuff up myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like it just felt natural to me. Like I just stepped into like, you know, I don't want to say I felt like coming home or anything like that, but it, it was a, there was a very like fond feeling of stepping into it.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, so, uh, now you're doing improv and you're doing stand up shows. Um, and, well, we're sort of caught up, but is there anything else before we talk about improv and stuff? Uh, is there, is, are there any other things, the kind of major things in your life that we haven't talked about? Like any of those demons or anything like that? Or
1: I'll say one thing about it. I don't, I don't think it needs too much attention. Okay. Um, so I survived a horrible trauma when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the details of it. Um and that plagued me for a long time yeah um and and when you're a kid and you get traumatized in you know any kind of way and and i also want to acknowledge like a lot of us have been traumatized in one way shape or form and like it's i'm not unique to the experience or you know get to say my life is this because of this it's you know i i held that for a while though like at one point in my life, i think it's just important to clarify like there's so many different traumas that happen and we all carry all that weight and that baggage um i'd rather like speak of it in like a unifying manner rather than a separating one yeah but anyway i carried that throughout a good portion of my life Mm -hmm. um it was even like blockaded out of my memory for Mm -hmm. a long time and then it surfaced and um, that was a whole other uh experience of learning how to live with that and just stuff that, you know, comes up with it. Um but it shaped me. Yeah. And it shaped how I dealt with life and how I looked at the world. Um and I stayed this happy go lucky guy mm-hmm. throughout it, despite the, you know, emotional turmoil and all that other stuff. Um and I it just to me it gives testament to the human spirit. Yeah. You know, that we can survive just about anything. I mean obviously if you shot you're done, you know, in that manner. Yeah. But um, there's something about the human spirit to me that is just like amazing. Yeah. You know what we can go through, not that we needed to, but how we can come out on the other side. Yeah. It's not always pretty. Yeah. You know, but in a way, it is. It's just a different kind of pretty. Yeah. As my experience with that. So that's that's really all I'm going to say about that. But that was a major component throughout all these other you know it gives answer to some of those other things that we talked about and stuff yeah. like that and how i kept myself separate from people because i'm carrying this wound that i don't know how to heal yeah um eventually i figured it all out and i've done healing and therapy and meditation and all these different things um you know to to change the verbiage to survivor rather than victim
0: yeah you know Thank you for sharing that. So um, what are some, so you just mentioned therapy stuff. So just like, I guess, for anyone listening who has whatever they're dealing with, and and you speak about your life and all these things with like a, a very great wisdom that I've I recognize it because I'm also go through therapy. I'm in therapy. And so I was like, that sounds like somebody who's been through therapy and mm-hmm, like yeah. just, yeah, like, and it's a, just a very great way to talk about things in or <clears throat> It's a great way to look at things. Um, and so I can tell that you've had some, yeah, some therapy and, and um, know how to process. So as far as just dealing with life and healing and recovering, um, I mean, you briefly mentioned some of the things that you've you have you have done, but what are the things that you recommend to people who haven't who don't know what to do? like I have something's wrong with me, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm anxious, I've had something happen to me, or I'm mm-hmm. struggling with addiction or whatever. Um, what are the things that you recommend as far as starting and going through this recovery and or healing process?
1: Um if you're starting at square one, it's go to the most obvious. Thing. So there's 12 step organizations and mm-hmm. whether that's where you wind up later, mm-hmm. you know, at least go somewhere where you can find your people, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's going to relate rather than push you away. Mm-hmm. Um, and with therapy, like just because, you know, typically there's a price tag on that, mm-hmm. but there's so many different community organizations and, and places to go to where you can get really good therapy. Um, by people that are actually you know passionate about being a therapist mm-hmm. um, at you know little to no payment. Um, obviously there's red tape involved in all that because it's you know community resources um, but I learned that most of that stuff you can't deal left alone. yeah, I tried yeah I wanted to be like the one exception to the rule and yeah it's just the universe doesn't work like that yeah. <laughs> right that was a tough lesson yeah um but yeah I, I would say find your people and and find the things that you love that take you out of it yeah not necessarily escape it yeah. but just there's no reason to constantly be in turmoil yeah which i was for a long time and i didn't have like anywhere with all to get out of it yeah um and if somebody does then you know latch onto that because you still got to deal with it you still got to process it so you don't have to do it overnight.
0: Yeah. I try. Right. Then work. (laughs) work. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't, never does. Um, All right, so what are your, so now you're, um, what are you, 48? Yes. Okay. Um, So what's going on in your life right now that you're excited about or that you, things that you look forward to, that you're happy with, and then what's kind of your... Your next couple of years, this is kind of what I'm hoping to accomplish, or what I'm hoping to do. That kind of that kind of question,
1: too. Um, well, there's there's the graphics company, which I'm in hopes to be my primary staple. Um, it's not necessarily my lifelong dream or goal. That's where <laughs> the comedy comes in, mm-hmm. but the reality also has to take shape. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I have to feed myself, and you know, still help with my daughter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So trying to turn that into something that you know will will do all that so i can detach from all the other like different uh things i do to bring in income and stuff like that um i still have a hand in the moving industry and, which is fine it's not a backbreaking thing anymore but i kind of want to be done with it yeah. um so building that and then as uh, so i have like an actual five-year plan with comedy mm-hmm. um i wrote for a year before i stepped on stage mm-hmm. and then this last year has been a lot of, uh, learning the ropes as far as being on stage, mm-hmm. understanding the audience and so on and so forth. Different animal than improv mm-hmm. standup is. Um, yep. and, uh, I've been, you know, blessed enough to get a lot of show offers, you know, that are workable, doable. They're not huge spots, but they're, they're consistent with where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to see that become more of a lucrative venture also down the road. Yeah. Anything you do over and over again, you get better at. And so I put a lot of effort into it still. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of part of the plan. And I'm pretty confident that I'll see the, the results, even though there's nights when I'm like, oh, the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it Yeah. doesn't go as planned I sometimes. I imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice, man. Uh, all right. Well, I really want to see one of your uh, your sets. Um, when's your next couple of sets?
1: I have a show Thursday night. At, um, it's called The Manor. In uh, it's over by Hillcrest, but it's this little town down the road from Hillcrest. I can't remember Bankers Hill. Okay. And it's literally inside of a mansion. It seats about thirty five to forty people. Oh wow. And that's Thursday night, and that's kind of a suit and tie or cocktail wear event, uh-huh. as it's advertised. Um, and then that's pretty much it. Oh, I have one at Torque Moto on the 27th. I do a monthly show there. Oh, nice for stand up. And then, um, I have another show on the 28th, but it's more of a corporate event. Yeah. And then starting October, I have one on the 4th, the 5th, and the 6th.
0: Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'll try to catch one of those when I'm not traveling. I'll uh, diligently put them on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Do it
1: cool um all right oh and lastly rug of love is gonna go to ghost fest
0: rug of love is going to the ghost other, fest yeah the
1: other improv team is going out to ghost fest october
0: 11th and 12th where's ghost fest in phoenix oh nice yeah we're excited nice so you're on rug of love and the dropout so those are your two only on those two are my primary primary teams yeah nice good times who's on um i think i know everybody but uh who's on rug of love uh go yeah the the ghost. Goja, babel Ron Rice,
1: Mike Romero, myself, Dave Lindsay, Ozzy Gutting, and then our coach is Vanessa and Erica
0: Obenauer. Nice. <laughs> and then, um, and then, who's on? Uh, just for our, our tens of thousands of listeners, who's on uh, the dropouts as well? Uh, myself, uh, Marty, Meaty, Corey, and Tara. Nice, good times. Okay. Um, Oh. I have... A party gift? No. Oh. I have a question. <laughs> that glass of water is your gift, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, you're the... I wrote these down just the other day um, after I interviewed like seven people and I was like, I should have some questions I should ask. There you and go. I, so you're the first one I'm going to ask some of these questions to. Um, okay. Okay. So, well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk to you about. Hmm. Nope. I think I pretty. I think I no. did a lot. <laughs> we, we we died I pretty did not deep.
1: I Planned that that was what was going to happen, but I also don't mind. I was thinking on the way. It's called the deconstruction. I'm like, huh. I wonder if it fits the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, good. I think it's hopefully. Uh, if my life can help somebody else, or at least somebody can relate to it, then...
0: It's already helped me. I um, I appreciate everything you shared. I really do. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get to some some lighthearted questions, definitely the first one. Well, it's not really a serious question. So um, when is the last time you got really mad about something? Really mad. Really, really like, mad. Hmm. I mean... Let's say, on a scale of 1 to 10, you, you had to at least hit a 5. Okay. it uh, was uh, my last trip. I
1: was driving a truck out to Cortez, Colorado. Yeah. And midway between Yuma and Phoenix, the truck broke down. Oh, no. And it's 1130 at night. Oh, and no. I'm in the middle of the desert. Oh, no. Um, and so it was a rental truck, and I had to go through the rental company to get roadside assistance out. And the closest roadside assistance was two hours away. He came out and said, I can't fix the truck. Nice enough to drive me to the next town to go get some, you know, water and stuff yeah. like that. And then bring me back to the truck, which was, you know, 30 minutes away. Yeah. Um, and then left me there. And then they said they'll send a tow truck out, a wrecker is what they are, the big ones. And he couldn't be out for another two or three hours. Ugh. And so I rolled down the windows of the truck and I was just gonna lay down and the bugs just start coming in. I'm <laughs> like doing this. I roll the windows up but i'm in the middle of arizona uh, so super hot and so i was livid i was heated
0: oh god so
1: i was letting the rental company know you know yeah this is you know because the onboard computer went down nobody's fault but again like that like total sense of like ah yeah this is horrible yeah um i lived yeah i lived through it and the delivery was made on time and i got to come back pretty quickly so
0: what a shitty yeah, experience! Yeah, <laughs> it was very mad. as you should have been. Okay, um, God, well, I thought it was gonna be a lighthearted question. Well, these, <laughs> yeah. And now wow. that now that I'm looking at my questions, <laughs> it's like, what? What? Um, what is one thing that you don't like about yourself and want to change? Hmm. Um, one thing.
1: It's amazing I can't come up with it right now. Um, I'm very scatterbrained Mm. i'm very and i admittedly have too many things going on at one time Mm -hmm. and so to give each thing its its focus is um a little difficult but i'm still trying to get more organized and more you know point my energy in less directions to have more outcome with a few things rather than
0: a little outcome with a lot nice okay all right what are two things you really like about yourself
1: uh my sense of humor and my ability to once i know people like get to you know get along with others Mm -hmm. um it's rare that i find people that i don't like yeah per se i mean there may be people that i don't relate to Mm -hmm. um but i genuinely like i enjoy people nice um and i didn't used to so really yeah i used to isolate a lot yeah and so by stepping into like the world of improv is like really helped put the lid on that
0: yeah it was nice nice What's a song, a band, or album that you really love? And I'll narrow this down to, since we sort of hit on it earlier, we'll, we'll, we'll go with the 80s. So like, what's, what's, um, what's your favorite band from the 80s, your favorite album from the 80s, and your favorite song from the 80s? From the 80s hard. would have been Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind. Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind. Yeah. Is that the song or is that the album? That's the album. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That was my coming of age to metal. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of my. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I don't know if I've heard uh, any songs from that. I probably have. It yeah. Just, you, you might have. They had a couple of yeah. the popular ones on there. Nice. Okay. Uh, what's a movie that really
1: affected you? God, I say this, unfortunately, but the movie K-Pax. I say unfortunately because Kevin Spacey was in it, and yeah. I was a big Kevin Spacey fan for a while, yeah. and that got completely obliterated by yeah. the, you know, whatever took place, yeah um, but the, the writing of the, the movie itself was yeah. like, it has a spiritual aspect to it. Interesting. Um, the premise is, we don't know whether this guy is from our planet or not. Yeah. And they do it in such a way that's just really intelligent and like makes you think. It, like you're looking at it and like, oh, wow, that could happen
0: we wouldn't even know it. so it's great I mean it's nice. a great movie but it's a little tainted it's, yeah, it's it's like, it's I actually haven't seen, I haven't seen that movie I'm a big movie buff but okay. that's that's one I haven't seen and so um, now I have to watch it I'll just have to somehow try to push the I know right but I mean his he does a good job with the movie and you can't really deny some of that yeah, he's but. a great actor and also it's like it's not just him making the movie. There's a there's a totally. cast, there's a, there's a crew, there's a director, there's a writer. Yeah, so Jeff Bridges is in it. Nice. Also, okay. So, well, that's the dude. Yeah, you gotta give him. All right. Um, right. <laughs> do you watch much TV? No. Okay. I was about to say, what's the best TV show on right now? Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Mm. What about an all-time favorite TV show? Did you ever watch TV?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, like MASH. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old
0: school shit, yeah
1: I mean, I used yeah. to watch all the sitcoms um when I was a kid, yeah, and cartoons, um and as I got older, I just stopped
0: yeah, I lost interest in television. good for you, it's just a time suck, yeah That's all it is all right uh what's a book that you loved and would recommend to others? Oh, I just put this on the internet, it's Stephen King's I have the dragon, I have the dragon, <laughs> yeah. okay. I read that status. Did you mention the book's name in this? And I there It's at the very okay. Part. I was just like, yeah. what book is he talking
1: about? Yeah, uh, I of the, the dragon. fairy tale. Yeah, um, and it's a. It was amazingly written. It's a great book, and it went outside of what he normally did. Yeah. Um, that and then uh, the greatest salesman in the world by Og
0: Mandino. I've heard of that. It's great. Is it a? Is that a novel or is that a nonfiction?
1: It's a novel. Um, but it's m- written with a lot of nonfiction yeah information in it, and has a really neat
0: ending, yeah, greatest salesman in the world. yeah what about are there any nonfiction books that you uh, that you've that have helped you in some way in-
1: a lot of them we um, became obsessed with reading self-help books and yeah. all
0: that other stuff. Um, what are some of the ones that tend to remember stick out, <clears throat> or at least one? i
1: wish i remember um the name of it it was an older book she talks about our schemas like these different like parts and aspects of ourselves yeah and how that um if they do not get nurtured they do not grow yeah and how to go back and nurture them i can't remember the name of the book
0: you're gonna have to life life of me look it up i will i will email it to me later on it's in my kindle so i can okay i can find it i'll put it in the show
1: notes yeah it was a great book um but then I also read, like, a lot of Thick Natan. So Living Buddha, Living Christ was an amazing book. Okay. Um, and a lot of his books. And Pema Chodron also has a book called The Places That Scare You. Yeah. And it's about, you know, looking into your, like, darker side and, yeah. and acknowledging it and the things that we're afraid
0: of. Nice. Great book. Nice. Okay. And lastly, uh, what's something a person can do to improve their life and the world? i must made a sarcastic
1: <laughs> <laughs> out of habit <laughs> but i'm gonna refrain because we haven't gone in that direction yet uh. <laughs> it would have been fun well say it but, now i want to know uh, drugs <laughs> 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 but i'm kidding of um, course it's too much of a setup to have that punch <laughs> um uh one thing like i'm trying to figure out also is like how can i make a difference in the world that's not Uh, that benefits others rather than myself and I think just forming consciousness around that and understanding that the universe has our back Um, there's a reason we're here I believe Mm -hmm. Um, I don't say too much about religion and whatnot because I to each his own yeah I think we're all fundamentally believing in the same thing yeah Um, I just call it the universe because it fits to me Um, and uh, you know we're all just trying to get by and so nobody's actually doing anything to us is what i've come to find um it's my interpretation of what they grew up with and how they're behaving as a result um and i may not may or may not like it mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't mean they're doing it to me it means they're suffering as well yeah um and i think that when i change my perspective on that stuff everything changes you know the, the way i view the world changes and all of a sudden, instead of hating somebody, I can be like, ah, it sucks. You know, I feel for you, man. Yeah. You know, not every day. <laughs> you know, still a work in progress. You're still a human being, yeah. Yeah.
0: Those are the goals, at least. And there you have it. Yeah. Keith, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for coming here. And uh, thank you for sharing so much about your life. Um, that was fantastic. I loved, I was, I loved every thing that you said, i love everything every minute of it so thank you so much for sharing
1: thank you thank
0: yeah you very much for having me all right man all right to the tens of thousands of listeners we bid you adieu bye-bye Bye. <laughs>